0: in the book of Romans, Uh, two weeks ago, as I said, uh, Elia uh, preached from Romans 4. He talked about Abraham. Abraham was a person like us. He was a sinner. He failed. And yet, it was credited to him as righteousness as he believed. As he believed God, God credited to him to be righteous. Last week, we looked at both Romans 8 and the Romans Road. The Romans Road, several verses from Romans 3 up through Romans 10 that talk about How do we have salvation? We have salvation because Jesus died for us. While we are sinners, Christ still loved us and died for us, that's from Romans five. We looked at several verses there. And so today, we understand that Jesus is the solution to our sin, we have salvation through him. So what next? What are we to do now? If we're like Abraham, we know we're sinners in need of a savior, we know Jesus is the savior, he's the solution, and whether it was uh, last week, last month, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, that you asked Jesus into your life? What are you supposed to do now? What are you supposed to do next? Well, Paul lays that out after Romans 9, 10, and 11. He really begins this here in Romans 12. So let's look now at God's Word in Romans 12, verses 1 through 3, and then 9 through 21. I appeal to you, therefore brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, But leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and let us pray. Lord, on this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, God, as we look into Romans, as we pray together, as we sing together, may they be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So Romans 12, in that first sentence, begins with, therefore. And when we see therefore, there must be something that that is therefore. What came before, so uh, what is there for? Why are we saying that for that? So we look to Romans 11. As I looked at one commentator this week about that, Romans 11, right at the very end, Paul really lifts up who Jesus is and that we need to be excited, encouraged, inspired, I think, because of who Jesus is. Near the end of Romans 11, Paul says, "'Oh, the depth of the riches, "'the wisdom and knowledge of God, "'for from him and through him and to him "'are all things to him.'" be the glory forever. So he's encouraging us to to focus on the love of God. I read a comparison this week from the song When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, which has this phrase in it. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Love so amazing, love so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And I think what Paul's doing here Then in the first part of Romans, he's telling us about who Jesus is. Jesus is for salvation. Jesus gives us life, so we need to accept him, believe in him. That's what we need to do. Then he gives praise to Jesus, who Jesus is. And then he says, therefore, this is what you're supposed to do. And there begins Romans 12. So that's Paul's inspiration. There's really three parts in these first three verses, which we're going to spend a chunk of time on. Verse 1. Our bodies are to be a living sacrifice. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We're gonna dive into that a little bit. Verse two, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How are we to be transformed? He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That might be kind of obvious, but we'll talk a little bit about that, what that looks like. And then verse three, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but think realistically. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. To think realistically about who you are not to put yourself down but to be confident in who god made you to be so that we may honor him that's verses one two and three verses four through eight talk about spiritual gifts we've talked about spiritual gifts before if you would like to take a spiritual gifts test i can steer you i think to the right place we do that with our inquires class if you've gone through that before you can even look on the internet there's great spiritual gifts test Verses 4 through 8 talks about that. But basically, we didn't read that today, is that each of us, if we know Jesus has at least one spiritual gift, we're gifted in some way. God has gifted us through the Holy Spirit to have things, to do things, um, to bring honor to him in our very lives. And so that's very important. We have spiritual gifts. But we're also called to think about ourselves realistically. What can we offer and not, give not get overwhelmed. One of the things when I read in verses 9 through 21, I read that long list at the end of Romans 12. There's a lot there. Paul is saying a lot. And so when I was studying that this week, um, I was like, Paul, man, you're asking us to do a lot here as Christians. I, you know, can we do all this? This is, this is challenging. Um, am, I, am I called to do all this? I think Paul wants us to do, yes, maybe to do all these things, but realistically, in who God calls us to be. So I remembered a tool that I used when I used to do youth ministry with kids. It's a great tool, I wanna give credit. It came from Rick Warren, who was the writer of The Purpose Driven Life. It's perhaps the best-selling Christian book ever. He's a pastor at Saddleback Church in Southern California and his church came up with this, this tool called Shape. What is your shape? Maybe not what is your body shape, but what is your shape? as a person. You know, we're we're to present our bodies as living sacrifices, being transformed in our minds to serve Him. But what is your shape? And so when we talk about this, it'll make sense. It is how we are formed and what we are to be. Rick Warren says, whenever God gives an assignment, He equips us with what we need to accomplish it. This custom combination of capabilities is called your shape. So what is shape? I want to read through these twice. They're here on the on the screens this morning. It is your spiritual gifts. There's S, H, your heart, A, your abilities, P, your personality, E, your experience. Again, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personalities, and experience. Let's take a a little longer look at each of those. If we're to be a living sacrifice, to offer our very bodies, and let's stop there for a minute, I think God doesn't care so much what your body looks like, maybe as much as we do. When I look in the mirror, sometimes I'm like, wow, I'm getting really old. I look like my dad. I actually do think that sometimes. But maybe not where you want to look different or you want to be in better shape, but how can you use all of who you are, your very body being transformed by your mind, your soul, your spirit? How can we offer everything of who we are to serve God? And really, when we think about that, that is grace dangerous. We receive God's grace, but then it's dangerous when we think about, God, I'm going to give it all to you. So what does that look like? It looks like your shape. Let's take a look. Again, spiritual gifts. Everyone is gifted by God. Read through that list. Take a spiritual gifts test. Find out where your gifts are. Your heart. These are your passions. And what I mean by that, I'm a sports fan. That doesn't mean for the Colts or IU or Purdue. Or I might mention... uh, uh, Baylor, where I went, that won the men's basketball championship this year. I just might throw that in there. But maybe not that passion, okay, for sports or for other things in your life, but for things, for your vocation, for your work, that people, things that you get excited about, things that you want to do, things you like. You know, if I had some extra free time, I'd want to serve in this way. Or when I serve in that way, when I help in that way, I feel really fulfilled. That's part of what your heart and your passions Are about. So feed those. Your abilities. Are you good with your hands? Which I'm not so much. Are you good working with your hands? Are you good working with your mind? Uh, Back in school, if you're in school currently, are you a math and science person? Are you an English and history and writing person? Use your gifts, your abilities for God. Are you more of a person that likes to kind of be up front leading the way? Do you like serving behind the scenes setting things up behind the scenes do you like to lead do you like to help all of us have different kinds of abilities and they're all good it doesn't mean it's any better for someone to be the upfront person if you're behind the scenes we need people behind the scenes to do the things that need to get done all of us have different abilities using our abilities we know now we're old enough we know what our abilities are using our abilities to serve God. I had a a pastor friend that used to say this, God cares as much or more about your availability as he does your ability. God cares as much or more about your availability as he does your ability. If you're available to God, like, God, I'm gonna put myself out there, I'm gonna offer my body, my life as a living sacrifice, God's like, all right, I'm gonna use you. I'm gonna find ways to plug you in, and then you keep your eyes and your mind open to be used. So your spiritual gifts, S, H, your heart, A, your abilities. P, your personality. Are you more extroverted, introverted? Do you like working on a computer? Would you rather be out talking to people? Do you like being outdoors? Do you like being indoors, working on things inside? If you've taken the Enneagram, what's your score there? Are you a peacemaker? That's where I score to be. I like everybody to be at peace around me. An artist, a loyalist, an achiever. Whatever you are, God loves your personality. God loves your personality. He wants to use your personality and who you are to bring honor to Him and to serve other people. All the aspects of your personality are good. And so to use those things to bring honor to Him, those are positive things. So that's S H A and P, and then E, your experience. When we say your experience, they don't mean like your your work history or your resume, not that so much. What have you experienced in life? Looking around, I know we've all lived life long enough that you've probably experienced mountaintops of joy in your life, special moments which you will always remember. And most likely, you've experienced the depths of sadness and maybe grief and tragedy in your life too. God can use your experiences to honor Him. We've experienced friendships, uh, family relationships, work relationships, obstacles, challenges. Maybe some of them we didn't overcome so well. Maybe some of them we did. And when we've done that, we learn from those challenges, those experiences that then we could take into other experiences to help others. Sometimes we'll notice like, hey, that person I met, that person I talked to, they're going through something that I went through not so long ago. Maybe I can find a way quietly to come alongside of them and to offer what I know to help them during this season of life. So your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experience. Use your shape. God loves your shape to serve Him. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One of the things I think we do well at ZPC is to help you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I know at ZPC, and and Jerry and I talk about this often, and Elia, and we've had other guest preachers this summer as well. I think have all done a fantastic job. We talk about when we get into the message on Sunday morning, we're gonna read from the Scripture, we're gonna make the message align with the Scripture, and we wanna have an application. What does it mean to me? What does it mean? What does it mean to me? How can I apply this to my life? And so that's how we are transformed by the mind. Maybe when you go to your home group and you talk with others, maybe you go to a class, maybe when you read your New Testament in the year at home, and then you're saying, what am I learning from this? It's like eating every day. You're getting feeding. Your body is fed. Your mind is fed so that you can be transformed and changed to be more like Jesus Another author I enjoy is Max Lucado. Max Lucado, popular Christian author, and one of my favorite quotes from Max Lucado is this. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. Once again, God loves you just the way you are, but he doesn't want to leave you that way. He wants you to change to be just like Jesus. Jesus. To be not conformed to the world, but be transformed, to be changed by the renewing of your mind so that we can offer our bodies, our lives as a sacrifice to him. It's interesting here, I think, that God says your body is a living sacrifice, that your mind needs to be transformed. Again, it is all of us. It is our soul, our spirit, who we are on the inside, who we are on the outside, the things that we are good at, the things that we are capable of doing that we offer to God. Our minds and our bodies are used by our giftedness, like we talked about with our shape. Talking about the mind and being transformed by the mind, N.T. Wright, that we mention sometimes is a scholar out of England who does a lot of writing, a lot of Bible commentaries, He said this very specifically about Romans 12, 1 and two. N.T. Wright says, to be not conforming to the world, we don't wanna be like the world in a lot of ways. And I think if I stop there for a moment, one of the critiques I hear sometimes of Christians, even pastors is, hey, you look a lot like everybody else in the world. The choices, the decisions maybe that we're making, the way, the things that we do. We look kinda like everybody else and yet God calls us to be different, to find ways to be different And more like Jesus in the world. So N.T. Wright says this, to be not conforming to the world is to think, speak, and act in the way of the coming kingdom, not the present age. This world is the present age. He says this world, the present age, sometimes shouts and sometimes it whispers seductively, hey, do things this way. Do things the way of the world. This is the way that everybody else does it? This is what everybody else thinks is popular to watch or to think about or to do. But God says, no, do it my way. Speak, think, and act in the way of the coming kingdom. And when Sharon prayed the Lord's Prayer, we want, we want the kingdom of God, God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And you all, all of us gathered in this room, those who are at eight o'clock, those who are going to be 11, all of us can help bring about God's kingdom. When you think about a church the size of ZPC with all of us as parts of the body, we can make a difference, and we can help begin to bring about God's kingdom, to join uh, Jesus in doing that by the ways that we think, speak, and act, by offering ourselves as living sacrifices to gather together, and then also as we go out as individuals and families out into the world. So that's verses one and two, that is uh, not being conformed to the world, but offering our bodies as living sacrifices. Verse three, as we've talked a little bit about in shape, says, do not think more highly of yourself than you want, but I think it is to think more realistically about ourselves, knowing that we are gifted, knowing that we have certain abilities, knowing that we have personalities, experiences that are unique to us that we can share with others. I think that is thinking realistically And we can be confident in that as we take that out into the world. So we can use that uh, and think realistically about ourselves. So, with the Jesus mindset, offering our bodies to God, we are all in for Him. We offer our personality, our experiences, our heart. And then we get to verses 9 through 21. This is kind of where the rubber hits the road, where Paul goes into, excuse me, kind of a long list. Of what we are to do and this is where I don't want you to get overwhelmed we're gonna break it down a little bit here but Paul I think my guess is when he was writing this he got excited and he's like I'm gonna tell them everything that I think I've learned or maybe over the last 30 years of my ministry he probably wrote Romans late in his life I'm gonna tell them everything they need to do as a Christian here's verses 9 through 13 let love be genuine hate what is evil Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. See, I told you, Paul gives us a lot there to think about. Using our gifts, we can do things like rejoice in hope. We can be patient in suffering. We can hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good and show one another honor and serve the Lord. Those are kind of the things we can do as we offer ourselves to God. As we read ahead in the next verses, I'm not going to read these directly, but Paul says to weep with those who weep. So several times he says to rejoice. If you read the book of Philippians, Paul talks a lot about joy and rejoicing. He says that's the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live with joy and rejoice. But he also says here in other places, weep with those who weep. I think when we talk about our experiences, we don't want to disregard or just set aside the tragic and the difficult and the challenging times of our lives. And looking around and knowing some of you, I know that we all have challenges, difficulties, and obstacles. And perhaps we can look at those, or what what have I learned from that? And those, those challenges, those obstacles, those losses stick with us. They are not gone. They, they are carried with us in our hearts and our souls. But what can I learn from those experiences that I might care, carry with someone else? So when someone comes along who needs to weep, I can weep with those who weep. I can mourn with those who mourn. I can be patient in suffering, Paul says. I can persevere in prayer. I can pray for that person. I can make a phone call. I can come alongside of them and walk with them during their tough times. Near the end of the chapter, Paul says, repay evil with good. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. This is kind of rebellious here, I think, by Paul too. He says, for by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not come overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. Isn't that kind of funny? He says, he says hey, get, get this. If you have some enemies, or they think you're their enemy, or maybe you don't even like them, He goes, pretend like they're hungry and give them something to eat. Think about if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Do something out of the ordinary for someone that might kind of feel like your enemy, that maybe you're not getting along with. Go out of your way to show them kindness. And they're probably going to think, wow, what is going on with them? That's like somebody putting coals on my head. What happened with them? Um, There's something going on with this person that has changed or is different. And by doing so, we are being more like Jesus we are overcoming evil with good what about our vocation now vocation the word vocation is not limited to work vocation can be calling and i think it can be our work or sometimes our jobs our careers may not be our vocation our vocation might be helping those who are children or helping those who are who are older And that may not have anything to do with our work at all. You might be an accountant or work in business, but really your calling is to do something else with people in the world the entirety of your life. Tish Harrison Warren is a writer, and she says, we can honor God with our vocation, but it is not limited to our work or our work days. She says this, and I quote, we grow in holiness in the honing of our specific vocation. We can't be holy in the abstract just by itself. Instead, we become holy in our work, a holy blacksmith, a holy mother working with children, a holy physician, or a holy systems analyst. We seek God in and through our particular vocation and place in life. As I was reading about this, she went on to say Satan wants us to restrict our spiritual lives to the brief hours we spend at church, like in prayer and in Bible study. Segregating God, setting God aside from the many hours we spend at work or in the world. We, we don't want to keep God on Sunday, but sometimes we do that. Instead, God wants all of our lives, all of our bodies being offered to him, transforming with our minds to be not just on Sundays, not just to the spiritual hours or when you're at home group or on a mission trip, but all of our lives, our minds who we are, to honor him. So what's it look like? to offer your body as a living sacrifice. As I was doing some research this week, I found this great story. I want to give credit to a pastor named Rick Ezell that I found that wrote this story based on a true story. He says this, "'The story is told of an old pastor "'in a little Scottish church in the 1800s. "'He was asked to resign "'because there had been no conversions in the church "'for an entire year. "'I,' said the old preacher, It has been a lean year, but there was one. One conversion, asked an elder. Who was it? Wee Bobby, said the pastor. Now, wee is W-E-E, right? You're Scottish here, so. Wee Bobby. They had forgotten a lad who had not only been saved, but had given himself fully to God. It was wee Bobby who, in a missionary meeting, when the offering plate was passed, He asked the usher to put the plate on the floor, and he was barefoot, he didn't have much, and he stepped into the offering plate, and he says, I'll give myself. I have nothing else to give. We Bobby became Robert Moffat, who at the time in the 1800s was a world-renowned missionary and worked with David Livingstone to give his life healing the sick on the continent of Africa. A woman one time asked her pastor, what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? And holding out a blank sheet of paper, he said, well, it means to sign your name at the bottom of a blank sheet and then asking God to fill in the rest. Offering your body as a living sacrifice means to sign your name at the bottom of the page and say, God, fill in the rest. So giving it all can feel overwhelming. Looking at this list from Paul can feel overwhelming. When I was first reading it this past week, I did feel that way a little bit. But we can all sign our names over to God, presenting ourselves as sacrifice, stepping into the offering plate. We can all do something. We are all gifted. We can all serve. We can all pray. We can all find small ways in our daily lives, Monday through Saturday and Sunday included, to show the love of Jesus to find ways to live for Jesus. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through Jesus. Be a living sacrifice. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. Let us pray. Most loving God, you want us to be like you. Lord, we struggle with that because we are human and we fail. We get tired, we get weary. Sometimes we get tired of trying too hard. Other times, Lord, we just get tired because the world is difficult. And yet, oh God, we can only do these things through your help. God, you say that when we ask Jesus into our lives that we have your Holy Spirit. And we can really do these things only with your help, with the help of Jesus, with the help of the Holy Spirit. So God, as we give ourselves to you on this day on this Sunday, and then again on Monday morning, we do it again. Help us to do that in Christ alone. God, help us to be more like you. In Christ's name, amen.